know, the things that we bring in, the things that are weighing heavy on our hearts, the things we long for you to set us free from, areas that we long to see your work in our lives. And so we pray, come, O come, Emmanuel, break in in deeper and deeper ways. To that end, we pray also, come, Holy Spirit, come, Holy Spirit. Open our eyes, open our hearts, open our minds to receive all that you have for us today. And through your grace, conform us more and more into the image of our Savior, Christ the Lord. Amen. Please be seated. Well, Merry Almost Christmas. It's almost here. Just wait till after the service, we'll really say it. Once Advent is over. This is the fourth Sunday of Advent, and we are, can you hear me? Oh, this is not working. This is working. All right, then I'll stay put. You want me to repeat everything I've already said? No, you don't. This is the fourth Sunday of Advent, and this season of waiting comes to a close today. I wonder for you, these past four weeks, how has that waiting been? You know, waiting isn't the easiest thing for us, especially if you're a kid And you know Christmas is coming, it's hard to wait till it comes, right? Till tomorrow comes. But the reality is none of us really like to wait. It's tough to wait. It seems unnatural to wait. But that's one of the things we have to see in life. Waiting is a part of life. It is necessary. Now in the biblical narrative, the story we're going to be looking at, it had been 400 years since God spoke through the prophets. Do you think they had been waiting? (laughs) I'm sure they were growing tired and weary, but longing that they would see this long-awaited Savior. In our gospel reading this morning, what we find is this. All of a sudden, finally, an angel of the Lord, Gabriel, appeared to an unassuming young girl in an unassuming village with a message that would change humanity forever. Mary's response to the angel is profound. That's what we're going to be looking at this morning her response to the angel. You see, her yes not only cast her into the greatest calling of her life, but it was also a foreshadowing of who this son of hers would be. Her yes was, I am the Lord's servant. And little did she know the baby who would soon be in her womb would be the Lord himself, the servant of all. And from him, we find the calling of our lives as well. Here's what's so powerful about that interaction that Mary had with the angel Gabriel. Not only just in the 400 years of silence prior to that moment, but in the entire history of Israel, instead of their saying, yes, I am the Lord's servant, and yielding their lives to God, they chose to put their lives first. They chose to do life on their own. Instead of a yes to the Lord, it was more of a yes, but no. Because we think that we know how to do life better on our own. And that's how they lived. But the reality is this. You and I can go back to the very beginning of the scriptures in the Garden of Eden where Adam and Eve were there. They had said yes for a while. But when the enemy came, that serpent, Satan, came and tempted them to question God's goodness. And that's where it often begins. Questioning God's goodness. He put doubt in their minds. And instead of saying yes to the Lord for the rest of their lives, their answer was no. We want life on our own terms. And their no has been the echo of humanity ever since. 
Those are our words so often as well. And friends, we don't have to look very far to see how the darkness has covered this world because of their no. There is pain, there is suffering, there are wars, there's discord, there's fractures in relationships. Some of us know it so well. Their no has impacted all of humanity. But in the stark contrast to the no that we have all said many, many times, Mary said yes to the Lord. And her yes, in her yes, through her yes, life was born. And through this life who would be born of Mary, the door would be open to you and me to find out what life truly is all about. I just want to remind you, life is found, purpose is found, joy is found in our yes to the Lord. And in our yes to the Lord, what we're really doing is we're saying, I am the servant of the Lord. This is my life. I am the servant of the Lord. What I want to do for the next few minutes this morning is is look at Mary's response. What do we learn about her response? Yes, I am the Lord's servant. And then what do we learn about Jesus, the ultimate servant, his response to his father's calling and how we are invited into that as well? First, let's take a look at Mary's yes to the Lord. Three things briefly I want to see that, that led her to a surrendered life to really be able to say yes I am the Lord's servant. First thing we see is this. Mary accepted what God had for her, even though she didn't fully understand it. She accepted what God had, even though she didn't understand it. Think about it. How could she? Nothing like this had ever happened before. Nothing like this had ever happened. There was no paradigm. There was not a story that that she would go, oh, this is how it's going to happen. But Mary was willing to pursue the plan that God had for her life. He was her God. And she lived her life in submission to him. And by saying that she was a servant of the Lord, she was saying, I'm willing to take part in whatever you have for me in this life. In a sense, she was foreshadowing something that the Apostle Paul later wrote. Our lives are not our own. She didn't know that her life was going to be bought by her son. But she realized enough, her life was not her own. And she submitted her life to the Lord. What about you? What is your response to God's call in your life, even when we don't fully understand what that might be for us? I'll never forget, shortly after I'd become a Christian, I was in college, and I went to Dallas on my way to Houston. Well, actually, it was in January, right after Christmas break, to a conference. And one of the speakers at the conference gave a challenge to us that has stuck with me ever since then. And the challenge was this. Are you willing to go where God wants you to go? Are you willing to do what God wants you to do? Are you willing to say what God wants you to say? I said an arousing yes to that. Little did I know the journey God would have me on in business and then in ministry and who knows what's ahead. When we say yes to the Lord, he takes us on a journey. We don't know what that looks like. But like Mary, she trusted that the Lord, her God, was good. And when she said yes, she could trust his goodness over her Tim Keller shares a similar story. When he was at a conference many, many years ago, one of the speakers was challenging them about about trusting Christ and doing his will with the whole of their lives. And the speaker gave two questions. Here they are. Are Are you willing to obey anything the Bible clearly says to do, whether you like it or not? How about that one? Are you willing to obey anything the Bible clearly says to do, whether you like it or not? The second question, 
Are you willing to trust God in anything he leads in your life, whether you understand it or not? Two provocative questions, aren't they? Well, the speaker went on to say, if you can't answer these two questions in the affirmative, then you may believe in Jesus in some general way, but you've never said yes to him. I am the servant of the Lord. Because to say I am a servant of the Lord is to do whatever his word calls us to do, to live in light of that obedience. And it's to be willing to accept and receive anything the Lord puts on our plates because he is our God and he knows what is best for us. I read recently a prayer that John Wesley used to pray often. It was a prayer that he wrote to the Lord. He, he called it his covenant prayer. Listen to his prayer. I am no longer my own, but thine. Put me to what thou wilt. Rank me with, what, with whom thou wilt. Put me to doing, put me to suffering. Let me be employed for thee or laid aside for thee, exalted for thee or brought low for thee. Let me be full, let me be empty. Let me have all things, let me have nothing. I freely and heartily yield all things to thy pleasure and disposal. And now, O glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, thou art mine and I am thine, so be it. Amen. How about that prayer for our lives? That is the yes. That is a surrendered heart to the Lord. The second thing I want us to see is not only do we live, did Mary live in submission to the Lord, she trusted even though she didn't understand. The second thing we see, and it's important, Mary, Mary still had questions. She still had questions. And so do we when God puts something before us. In verse 34 of Luke 1, so we read, Mary says, how will this be? And the angel, she asked the angel, I'm still a virgin. How is this going to be that I'm going to bear a child? I can only imagine. That was just one question. But all the other questions that began to flow through her mind. And when the angel left, the other questions that were still there. You see, she wasn't without questions. When the Lord calls us in a particular way, whatever that might be, it might be a change in your vocation. It might be doing what you're doing right now, but seeing something new the Lord might have for you in a given day. When anybody he does that, it's okay to ask questions. But in our questions, we're asking with a submissive heart, like Mary, to the Lord. We're still going to follow him. I want you to think for a moment about the life she was being called into. I don't even think she could grasp it in that moment. But think about it. She was engaged to be married, and now she was going to have a child. Think about what people would say. Think about the rumors. Yes, they had rumors then like we do today. People talked to just back then like they do today. Think of all the things that people were going to say, even her own family and the friends, all of that. Yet she knew that she was the Lord's servant, and she said, I am the Lord's servant. Third thing we see is this. Mary lived her life in the abiding presence of the Lord. We need to see that a response like this, when an angel comes and says something as outlandish, bizarre as he did to Mary, the only way she was able to say, I am the Lord's servant, is because she lived day by day in the abiding presence of her God. She knew him. She walked with him. She prayed to him. She knew in that relationship that she had with him, she knew the Lord's goodness. She knew that God was going to always be with her. And so when the angel comes, she was able to say yes 
I am the Lord's servant because she lived her life abiding in God. Read John chapter 15. It's an amazing chapter in John's gospel. It's filled with Jesus' words about us abiding in him, the invitation to come and abide in Christ. And he uses this beautiful illustration of a vine and its branches. He says, if you abide in me, you're like a branches locked to the vine. You're, you're living in me. You're finding your life through me. Everything that the branches are able to flourish with, the grapes, the fruit, everything, are there because the branches are abiding in the vine. Friends, so it is with you and me. When we live our lives, not just a little quiet time here or a quick morning devotion and then go about our day and not think much about God till maybe even the next Sunday. What the Lord wants of us, what he invites us into is the most glorious, intimate, abiding relationship with our God that we could ever imagine. Mary knew that. She couldn't have said yes otherwise. When God calls us and we walk in an abiding relationship with him, friends, we are able to say yes, even when we don't understand, even when we have questions, even when it might be something like, God, I don't know about this. Through our abiding, we know the goodness of our God, and we know that we would want, we would want greater than anything else is to walk in his fellowship day by day. That's what Mary knew. That's why Mary was able to respond like she did. We can learn a lot from her, can't we? We can learn a lot from her reply, I am the servant of the Lord. But little did she know those words she was saying would be what, what, what was the greatest characteristic of this child she would carry. He was the servant of the Lord And little did she know that that servant would ultimately be the one, by his grace and mercy, to pay the price for her sins and ours on the cross. What a foreshadowing of the life of Jesus, the life of Christ in this world, the suffering servant. So I want to look now at what we learn from Jesus, what it means that he is the servant of all. Well, it's interesting when you read in Luke's gospel and you read about the description of who this one to be born of Mary is going to be. Listen to the description, verses 32 and 33. It says, He will be great and be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Now think about that description from a worldly perspective. What kind of king, what kind of leader do you think we would think he would be. I don't think we would see him as a servant. (laughs) We would think that he would be a king like all the other kings that we've seen. We would think that he would be a ruler like all of the others, making a name for himself, not for others, lifting himself up, not lifting others up, ruling out of his own authority, out of his own power and might, all for himself. That's how the kings of this world do it. That's how the rulers of this world do it. But that's not how our king did it. He came as the suffering servant. Paul, in the book of Philippians, he was writing, describing, and inviting the the new followers of Christ into a new way of living. Because, friends, when when we say yes to Jesus, it is an invitation into a new way of living. And he begins to describe that, that no longer do we live for ourselves, but we live for others. 
Listen to his description. This is Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 8. Paul wrote, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you not only look to his own interest, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Talk about the description of our king. No one would have written that, but that's who he is. I love it. It says, though he was in the very nature God, he, he emptied himself. Friends, listen, he was still God. He was still God, but he took on human form. You see, he didn't let his divine attributes go. He was still fully God, but he also took on full humanity, fully God, fully man. He wasn't lacking, but you know what he did? He took on the form of a servant, our God, the Savior of the world, the one who would come to to meet us in our greatest need. He came not to lord it over us, but he came to serve us and give his life away. Friends, I want you to think for a moment. Jesus' answer to the Father's call on his life was yes. I am my Father's servant. I am a servant of the Most High God. Jesus didn't come to do his own will. In, in, in John 6, verse 38, we read this. Jesus said, I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Friends, if Jesus lived his life in submission to his Father in heaven, why would we think our lives would look any different? The glory is when Jesus lived his life in submission to his Father, it became life-giving to you and me. And so it is when we live in submission to him, our lives become life-giving to those around us. But I want to take us back to that passage that Paul wrote in Philippians 2. Paul knew the temptation of our lives, didn't he? He knew life so well. He knew that the inclination of our hearts was not to live as servants, but rather every one of us here would rather be served than serve. Just ask Kimberly last night. <laughs> I'll tell on myself. Uh, Anne Claire and Connor and our new grandson, Henry, are staying with us, and it was around 9.30 last night. On Saturday nights, I try to go to bed a little early because I get up really early on a Sunday. Kimberly had been holding Henry. It was his bewitching hour. Anne Claire was trying to get a little sleep before the next feeding, and Connor was up there with her. He was crying and crying and crying. So what did I do? I went over to her, and I said, I'll hold him for 10 minutes before I go to bed. She looked at me. She goes, really? She goes, you could have just not even said that 10 minutes part. She goes, that just ruined the whole thing. I get how hard it is to be a servant. I get what it looks like when we need, we're called into doing something that we don't want to do, but we, we need to do it. And the natural inclination of our hearts is not to humble ourselves, is it? There's an amazing scene in Mark's gospel. I love this scene because it shows so much of our, of our lives, humanity, humanly speaking, where two of Jesus' disciples, John and James, were having a conversation with one another, and they brought Jesus into the conversation. And they said, teacher, we want you to do whatever we ask of you. 
Well, what they were asking is they wanted the highest two places in the kingdom of heaven beside Jesus. Well, when the other disciples heard it, I don't know how you would be, but they were indignant. They were furious. Look at them. What about us? Here's what, how Jesus responded. You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. That's the beauty, friends. That's how Jesus came. But the challenge is most of us would rather be served than to serve. Most of us have an unhealthy preoccupation with ourselves, if we're honest. And we would rather project ourselves so that we would be seen, so that we would be valued, so that we would be thought well of. I wonder how you do that, and maybe in your family with friends, when you're out on the golf course or playing basketball or in the office, whatever that might be. We so often want to assert ourselves that we would be seen and thought well of and significant in the eyes of others. But friends, when we say yes to Jesus, let me tell you what happens. What we find is not only are our lives redeemed and our sins covered by the blood of Jesus, we are given the most magnificent identity that we could ever imagine. To ever, if you wonder about identity again, come back to the cross and see what Jesus did. He calls us sons and daughters. We have an inheritance that is already ours in Christ. We have an identity and a value and a worth that is far beyond any that we could ever get here in this world. That's what we get. And when we know that, we then can live our lives out of the glorious freedom that we can now serve to show the love and presence of Jesus to those around us. I'm going to wrap it up here. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 14. Here's how this begins to change our lives. The Apostle Paul wrote, For the love of Christ controls us or compels us, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him for whose sake he died and was raised. Because of the love of Christ, because of the identity we have, we don't have to prove anything, friends. And that frees us to live no longer for ourselves because we have it all. If we would just turn our eyes more fully to the cross, You see, our yes opens up a whole new way of life. Our yes gives us insight into the greater calling for our lives. Mary saw her calling. It was to carry the Son of God and then to live as his mother this side of heaven. The calling for you and me is different in many ways in this room, but in one sense, it's the same for all of us. I take this from Zechariah's prayer When his son John the Baptist was born, listen to these words, how he described his son. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people and the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. Now, John had a very specific calling to be the forerunner of Christ, 
to point people to the one who would come right after him. But there's a sense in which part of his calling is ours today. I wonder if you heard it. That we are here to give knowledge of salvation to God's people and the forgiveness of their sins. The calling of our lives, those who know the forgiveness, that we would go out and tell it to others, that we would show it to others, that we would invite others to come see how glorious our God is, to show them the way that their sins can be forgiven, that we would go out and be the light of Christ to those around us. Friends, there is so much darkness in this world, but the fact that Christ's light shines in us today and through us You want to talk about a calling, a yes, I am the servant of the Lord, to say, God, where do you have me? Where have you placed me? What do you want me to say? Where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? Yes, I am the Lord's servant. I want to end with this prayer. It's a prayer that I pray, Kimberly and I actually pray every day through a devotion that we read every morning. Here's how it goes. Father, help me to live this day to the full, being true to you in every way. Jesus, help me to give myself away to others, being kind to everyone I meet. Spirit, help me love the lost, proclaiming Christ in all I do and say, amen. And Father, our prayer is come Holy Spirit. Make us more into the image of your Son, so that we can bring his image, his light, his wholeness, his glorious forgiving grace to those around us. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Please stand.